0: Today we begin looking at our first specific topic in the book of Proverbs. Uh, The last couple of weeks have really been introductory to the book. We've been talking about wisdom, and now we're going to begin talking about wisdom applied to specific areas of life. And that's going to be our practice over the next several months, uh, to see what Proverbs says about specific areas of our everyday life. Uh, This week I went back and forth in my mind which subject to cover first, Uh, I've got about 30 of them uh, laid out in in Word documents on my computer, and I was looking through them thinking, which one uh, should we start with? And then June 1st hit, and all of a sudden, everywhere you look, uh, the culture is talking about pride, uh, celebrating pride as if it's something uh, positive. And so since that happens to be one of the main uh, foundational subjects in the book of Proverbs, I thought it would be appropriate for us to start there today. So we're going to study this morning what Proverbs has to say about the subject of pride. Uh, To begin with, let's just define what we mean by pride. Primarily, there's one Hebrew word, Zedon. Uh, It pops up all throughout Proverbs. That's translated pride. Uh, Bruce Waltke, who is one of the Old Testament scholars, a leading Old Testament scholar, wrote really the uh, predominant uh, commentary in the book of Proverbs. He defines pride this way. He says, pride denotes a psychological state of an exaggerated opinion of oneself that does not correspond to social reality. So pride is thinking way more highly of yourself than is true. Uh, Pride is having an exaggerated view of yourself and really of your importance. It's being self-centered. Pride isn't just thinking you're good at something or thinking even that you're better than someone else at something. Okay, I don't think you need to necessarily feel guilty about that sort of thought. Uh, Malachi is not being arrogant if he says he's better at drawing than me because objectively he's better at drawing than me. I don't think that's necessarily pride. So if you have a good work ethic or you have certain skills or abilities, maybe you're well-educated, I don't think a recognition of those sorts of things is necessarily pride. Pride is when we inflate ourselves beyond what is really true, when we exaggerate uh, the positive things about us and we're blind to the negative qualities. Uh, Pride is when we have an exaggerated view of ourselves and when we place our our priorities above others. We think we're the most important person in the room. Uh, Self-centeredness, an overly inflated ego, that's pride. Proud people don't serve others, they expect others to serve them. Uh, Arrogant, that's another word for pride. Arrogant people are those who put themselves above others, or even in some cases above God. Now, contrary to our culture's view of pride, especially during the month of June, uh, God has nothing positive to say about pride. In fact, if you study uh, through Scripture and just note things that God hates in particular, at the very top of that list, all throughout Scripture, is pride. Proverbs 21, verse 4 says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin." So pride is described here as the lamp of the wicked. It's what guides them through life. Haughty eyes. That's a, a, such an interesting description. Having your eyes raised as though you're sort of looking down on others around you. God calls this sin. This attitude of inflating yourself, thinking you're more important than others. And as we'll see, it seems that pride is a sin uniquely hated by God. Uh, all of this brings us to Proverbs 3. We're going to begin there in verse 33 where it says the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. We're going to focus particularly on verse 34 there today, where it says God is scornful toward scorners, but to the humble, he gives favor. God mocks mockers. Humility invites the favor of God into your life, whereas scorning, or a proud, arrogant attitude, invites God's scorn. Uh, More and more we'll see this as we go throughout the book of Proverbs, but God does not treat everyone the same. Uh, If sometimes you feel like God is opposing you, it might be worth considering that maybe he is. Because nothing in, in all of life really brings God's opposition quite like pride, arrogance, I think this is one of the main reasons that pride is so foolish. I think there's two reasons in particular in Proverbs that it speaks of pride as being dumb. Not just wrong, okay, but stupid. Here are the two main reasons. First of all, because it prevents you from being able to learn. If you think you know everything, you'll never figure out the things you don't really know. You'll never listen to correction or advice. But the second reason that pride is especially foolish is because it is... uh, bringing into your life God's opposition instead of God's blessing. It's really foolish to be proud because it's rejecting God's favor and instead inviting his scorn. Because this issue of pride and humility either invites God's favor or God's scorn, it's not just wrong to be proud, it's also very foolish. It's not just good to be humble, it's wise. In Psalm 2, there's a great example of this where the rulers of earth decide they're going to pick a fight with God. Uh, And it says in that text that God laughs at them. Uh, Why? Well, because it's ridiculous. Uh, They're human beings. They think they're big stuff, even compared to the God who created them and gives them breath and life. When humans have a prideful attitude, it's like a little kid who thinks he can beat up adults. I have a little brother like this. Uh, He's convinced that he can just take anybody. And uh, what's especially makes this funny is he's not a big guy at all. He's kind of a little shrimpy dude, uh, but he just has this mindset that he can take anybody. And so every year or so, whenever I see him, he always tries uh, to pick a fight with me and we end up wrestling and I'm twice his size. The guy has no chance, but he has that like chihuahua mindset. You know, you ever seen the little dog that goes attacking a pit bull as if it, it has some sort of a chance? That's how God looks at humans who are proud. Really? <laughs> You guys are going to get a big head. You humans who are dependent on oxygen and food and water. And every day you have to lay down for eight hours and sleep just to survive. You weak and frail people. Uh, God laughs at humans who adopt a proud attitude. He mocks them. Let's learn a little bit more of what God thinks about uh, pride. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, "...the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil." Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So part of what it means to fear the Lord is to hate what God hates. Again, a very good thing for us to remember during Pride Month, especially, uh, Christians cannot affirm sin. We can't call evil good. And as we talked about last week, fearing the Lord means caring most what God thinks. Having a posture of reverence towards God means his opinion is more important than anyone else, including mine. That means loving what God loves and hating what God hates. And pride and arrogance are at the top of the list of things that God hates. He says it over and over in Proverbs, I hate pride. At a future time, we're going to cover in Proverbs 6, where he lists seven things that the Lord says he hates. And the very first one on that list is a proud look. If we're going to be wise, as we said last week, it begins with fearing the Lord. Uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fearing the Lord means hating pride. We cannot be wise and proud. And I think this is pointed out in Proverbs uh, especially because pride is a temptation for people who are pursuing wisdom. If you're seeking after wisdom, you're trying to grow and learn and become a wise person. You start making wise choices that lead to good results. And pretty soon you start to feel really good about yourself you get puffed up. And so Proverbs is trying to get across to us that in our pursuit of wisdom, watch out for the pitfall of pride because arrogance destroys our relationship with God. God hates pride. Three quick Proverbs, all with kind of a similar point here. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. So humility is the attitude of the wise person. Uh, This Proverbs makes clear that disgrace will come to the proud. It doesn't say how it will come or when it will come, but it is absolutely determined. The proud will eventually be brought down. Proverbs 18, verse uh, verse 12, a, a similar concept. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So humility leads to honor, pride leads to disgrace. Humility leads to wise living. Pride leads to destruction. Uh, perhaps most famously of all, this is probably one of the most famous verses in all the Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see a pattern developing in these Proverbs that pride comes before disgrace and destruction and ruin. So picture a parade. Leading the parade is Pride. And following behind is disaster, destruction, and disgrace. Proverbs 19 continues in that text, It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. It may seem better in the moment to be on the dividing the spoil with the proud side of things. He's a rich person. Life is working out well for him. Whereas the humble man in verse 19 is poor. Yet Proverbs is trying to get across to us the temporary nature of those situations. Sure, that rich, proud man who is oppressing people, he may seem to be doing just fine right now. But just wait. His destruction is coming. Because destruction always follows pride. And so it's better for you, Proverbs says, to be humble, even if it means poverty now. The proud will be destroyed The humble will be exalted. They will receive honor, whereas the arrogant will receive disgrace. Now you might be tempted to think that Proverbs is just telling us this as, as like a law of the universe. Uh, Like this is just how things tend to go. Proud people tend to fall maybe because they get overconfident. They don't listen to things, they don't correct, and so they start making mistakes or something. But that's not really the point. It's not the teaching of Proverbs that the proud person comes to destruction in some sort of natural way as just a consequence of his pride. Rather, Proverbs makes clear that the reason this is true, the reason that pride comes before destruction, is because God is actively working against proud and arrogant people. God causes them to fall. God is the one behind their destruction. Here are a few texts that make this crystal clear. First, Proverbs 15, verse 25 says, "...the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries." So God is actively working against the proud to bring about their destruction. And in the same way, God actively works in the favor of the humble. In this case, portrayed as a widow, someone who's lowly of social status, has nothing necessarily to boast or brag about, God is working on her behalf while tearing down the proud. Proverbs 16, verse 5, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Now, that's a very strong statement. Proverbs has said already before this that God hates pride. But here it actually goes a step further and says the arrogant, meaning the person who is proud, is an abomination to the Lord. God hates proud, arrogant people. Let that sink in. Then it goes on to say that everyone who is this way, who is arrogant in their heart, will not go unpunished. Uh, No exceptions to this. Now it's true, we may not see the punishment in this life, although often we do, uh, but don't ever think that someone who has lived arrogantly in his life in opposition to God in disregard of his ways, thinking that he knows best, don't ever think that that person's going to get away with it. God assures us that if we are proud, we will be punished. Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So you see lowness in both, both uh, sides of that equation. The proud person is going to be brought low, the low person will obtain honor. So we all have this choice. We either humble ourselves before God Or God will humble us. If we choose to humble ourselves and adopt a lowly spirit, we obtain honor in the end and the favor of God. But if we refuse to humble ourselves, God will bring about our destruction. He will tear you down and disgrace you. You will not go unpunished. So that's the principle. It's quite clear. Now let's look at some biblical examples of this. Pride leading to destruction. We're going to leave Proverbs to the side for just a minute. We'll come back there. But what does it look like when God intervenes to bring low the proud? The first example we'll look at comes from 2 Chronicles verse, uh, chapter 26, verse 1. Begins, all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. Can you imagine becoming king over Judah at the age of 16? You can kind of already see where this is going, uh, that it would lead to someone becoming very puffed up. Verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did, that, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So this all seems great. This young man being elevated to a position of king, he's doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse five, it gets better. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So here's a man who fears the Lord. He's doing what Proverbs instructs, and he's experiencing the blessing of God as a result. Verse six, he went out and, made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. Notice, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Mionites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. So this is a man being elevated He's honoring the Lord. He's seeking the Lord. He's trying to follow in God's ways, and he's experiencing the blessing. Uzziah is a man walking in the way of wisdom and experiencing the favor of God. But then, verse 16, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But when Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor, they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. So he's being corrected here for taking on something that was not his role. He's not supposed to be doing this. Verse 19, look at how he responds to this correction. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priests, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, he lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. Pride comes before destruction. We have this example of King Uzziah who started off so well, honoring the Lord, following the principles of wisdom, experiencing God's blessing. And as he experienced that blessing, as life was going well for him, as his kingdom was increasing in power, he became pride. Proud And and that that pride in his heart led to his destruction. Another example of this would be Herod in Acts chapter 12. This will be familiar to many of you. We covered this uh, maybe a year or so ago. Acts 12 verse 21 says, On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. He took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. He's giving a speech to the people that are gathered. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man immediately an angel of the lord struck him down because he did not give god the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last pride comes before destruction many other examples we could look at the tower of babel was a famous one where god brought about the destruction of this proud and arrogant group of people haman in the book of esther would be another example But perhaps no one in all of Scripture exemplifies being brought to destruction due to his pride more than King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4 verse 29 says, At the end of twelve months, he, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. I mean, the, the arrogance and the pride is just dripping from his words. Here is this powerful king looking out over his kingdom, feeling really good about himself. And he forgot that God hates pride. And so God acted to bring Nebuchadnezzar low. Look at verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, And he ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. That's a dramatic example of God bringing low the humble. These are just some examples, many more we could look at in scripture. But in every case, God actively works against the proud of heart. Outside of even humanity, We can see this on a cosmic level with Satan himself. Uh, What was it that led the angel in heaven that God had created to fall from heaven, to be cast out and to become known as Satan? It was because of the sin of pride. God hates pride. God will actively work to bring low the proud. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God opposing me. Many people, I don't want to be my enemy. God is at the top of that list. James 4, verse 6 says, He gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So that's the question. Do you want God opposing you or do you want God's grace? Adopting an attitude of pride and arrogance is picking a fight with God. You're inviting God to oppose you, whereas adopting an attitude of humility invites his favor and blessing into your life. So humble yourself or be humbled. Let's look back at Proverbs now that we've established, obviously, this is a very important thing. and something God takes very seriously, and we would be wise to as well. Let's look at some indicators of pride and arrogance. We'll start in Proverbs 13, if you want to turn there. Uh, sometimes I think it's hard for us to recognize pride in our own heart, in our own lives. How do we know when we've fallen into this sin of pride? Proverbs 13 Verse 10 says, by insolence, which is sort of another word for arrogance or pride, by insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. So one indicator that you're proud is proud people end up in conflict with others a lot. Uh, Insolence, that pride, that arrogance, it leads you to be constantly in conflict with other people. It leads to strife. Notice the parallel of pride or insolence contrasted with those who take advice. Uh, One reason, again, that proud people cannot be wise is they don't listen to anyone who's trying to teach them. They already think they know everything. So one way that pride is manifested in our lives is through defensiveness. Somebody tries to correct us and we respond instead of listening humbly, we immediately begin defending ourselves and stirring up strife. Being close minded is a symptom of pride. Proud people are those who will not listen to others, especially if they're trying to teach them or correct them in something. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whereas humble people are receptive to correction and teaching. Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 24, here's another indication of pride in our hearts. Proverbs 21, verse 24, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So arrogance is what leads us to scoff or to ridicule others. Uh, We put others down in order to build ourselves up. We mock other people around us to make ourselves look better. And Proverbs reserves its harshest words for the scoffer. Uh, a, A scoffer is sort of like the epitome of pride. It's the top level of an arrogant person. Uh, Tremper Longman, he writes on this passage, this proverb defines what makes a mocker a mocker, pride. Pride causes people to look at others and make fun of them, specifically when they themselves are criticized. Rather than taking an inward look and transforming for the better, they defend themselves by ridiculing those who are pointing out their weaknesses. And I think all of us, if we thought long enough, could probably see, oh yeah, I've done that a time or two. Another symptom of pride comes from Proverbs 25, verse 27, which says, It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. So another way that pride manifests itself is through seeking to glorify ourselves in the eyes of people, trying to impress others. You know, those people that always have to tell you, When they do something good, like they're just sort of fishing for a compliment. They're desiring praise. That's an indication of pride. Whenever you find yourself saying something positive about yourself, just ask, Did I really need to say that? What was my motivation? Why did I just say that? It could be an indication of pride. Proverbs 26, verse 12, here's another indication. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Uh, Proverbs, if you haven't noticed, doesn't say much positive about fools. Uh, Fools are sort of the, the bad character in Proverbs. But apparently it's better to be a fool than to be wise in your own eyes. It's better to be foolish than to think you're brilliant. The fool always has the hope that maybe one day he'll try to become wise, but the person who is convinced they already are wise is unable to ever learn. This is a deep kind of pride. It's not just trying to look good in the eyes of others. This is when you in your own heart actually believe that you're all that. Most of us kind of put on a facade in front of other people, but inwardly we're aware of our weaknesses and failures. The kind of person Proverbs 26.12 is describing doesn't have those insecurities. This is somebody we might call a narcissist. The only thing worse than a fool is a delusional fool. Somebody who is foolish, but thinks that he's wise. Uh, Proverbs 27, here's another symptom of pride, being boastful. Verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Boasting about the future assumes you're in control of your own life, but as we've seen with Nebuchadnezzar or Uzziah or Herod, that's simply not true. Your life could change in a moment because your life is in God's hands. And an awareness of that fact should lead all of us to have a spirit of humility. Again, verse 2, you see the instruction there, not to praise yourself. Don't be self-promoting. A little later in the same chapter, we read in verse 21, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested By his praise. So, when you put gold into a furnace, the imperfections rise up and you can purify it. And so, it's sort of a a test for the gold to see how pure it really is when you put it under heat. And Proverbs is saying that you and I are tested when we're praised. So, it's not only important that we not praise ourselves, but also how we receive praise from others. A prideful, arrogant person just eats it up. He agrees with all of the praise. In fact, he thinks they're probably understating it. And he becomes more and more proud. The more praise that he receives, the more that pride rises up within him. When in reality, praise from others really shouldn't affect us that much. If we care most what God thinks, the praise of men won't register as highly for us. If God's opinion is what really matters to us, then everybody else's opinion sort of is, is, not, is not as elevated in our minds. Uh, one final proverb for today, Proverbs 22, verse 4. This is quite a contrast from all the things we've been seeing about what pride leads to. It says, The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. What a contrast. Uh, pride leads to destruction and opposition from God. Humility leads to God's favor and blessing. Uh, note the parallel there of humility and fearing the Lord. We've said that fearing the Lord is caring most what God thinks, uh, it's submitting to His will. And that humility before God seems particularly to be in focus here. Uh, the Hebrew word there, translated reward, is related to the word heel, like the heel of your foot. Okay, and the idea is that right on the heels of humility, right following close behind, is riches and honor and life. So just like before we said, you picture a parade with pride at the front, coming right behind pride is destruction and disgrace. The opposite is true of humility. Following closely behind humility is riches and honor and life. The ultimate example of humility in all of human history is Christ. We'll see throughout our study of Proverbs how Jesus exemplifies the principles of wisdom throughout this book. But for the humility of Christ, consider Philippians 2, where Paul writes Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself and was obedient to his Father. He stooped farther than any human being has ever stooped. He left heaven and became a helpless baby. He wasn't even born into riches or power. He was born in a stable. His crib was a feeding trough for animals. And then Christ, he lived out a human life with all the frailties and limitations of humanity. And in the end, he was stripped naked. He was hung in shame on a cross and crucified publicly in obedience to his father's command. That's humility. The very God who could have called 10,000 angels to slaughter his enemies and be freed from the cross, he instead, in obedience to his father, endured that suffering. And now we look to Christ as our ultimate example of humility. So how do we become humble? How do we, in our own hearts, stop thinking prideful thoughts? Here are four ideas that I came up with. Maybe you can come up with a few of your own. Maybe you recognize pride in your heart, arrogance, but what do you do about it? How do you actually combat that? Number one. Oh. Number one, pray the model prayer every morning. This may seem counterintuitive. But I think Christ means for us to do this in general. Remember when we studied the model prayer in our study of Luke, that Jesus meant for this to be a daily prayer. That's why we ask, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, That should indicate to us, oh, we're supposed to pray this every day. And I think starting our morning off by orienting our lives in obedience to Christ is a way that we can start to achieve a humble spirit. When we start off every day, With our Father in heaven, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come and your will be done. That's orienting our lives towards God's purposes. I'm not living today for myself. I want to live today for Christ. And then other things like asking, give me this day my daily bread. Meet my needs for today. It reminds us that we're not self-sufficient, that we are relying on his provision. So start every morning by praying the model prayer. Number two. Another way to attack pride in our hearts, cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. It's hard to be proud when you're grateful to God. It's hard to be proud when you're grateful to others, when you appreciate and you recognize things others are doing for you. So cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. Number three, look for ways to serve others. This is something proud people just will not do. Because proud people, it's all about them. They don't think about anybody else. And so if you want to combat the pride that you sense in your own heart, look for ways to serve other people besides yourself. Again, of course, Jesus displayed this famously when he, the master, stooped down and washed the feet of his disciples. The lowly task of a slave, and yet Christ did it for them. And so to attack pride in your own heart, look for ways to serve others. Number four, kind of along the same lines, but do humble tasks. Uh, Sometimes the way to cultivate a certain heart is just to do things, right? Uh, If you want to love your spouse more, do something that expresses love, and sometimes your heart just follows that. If you want to cultivate generosity, start giving, and you'll start to feel it more. And the same is true of humility. If you feel that you have a problem with pride and arrogance, and I would suggest that probably all of us do, uh, look for humble tasks to do. Look, look for things like cleaning a bathroom. Uh, maybe at work, somebody's got to take the trash out of the break room. Why don't you do that? Uh, be the type of person that's willing to do those humble tasks, that you don't consider yourself above those types of things. And now it's time for each of us to ponder the path of our feet. As we close this morning, ask yourself, which way am I walking? The way of wisdom that leads to humility or the way of the fool that leads to pride and arrogance. Wisdom is crying out to you today to listen and to learn. And now you and I have a choice to make. Will we scoff at the instruction of Proverbs on the subject of pride? Or will we choose the way of wisdom, humility that leads to honor and riches in life? Let's pray together.